Christmas Eve. And oddly enough, too, that we don't hear a lot about Joseph, the, the, um, the adoptive father of Jesus. Um, after this story, um, he fades. The last time in the Gospels that we hear about Joseph is when Jesus was of sort of bar mitzvah age. He was 12 or 13. You remember that conversation? Um, when they went to, uh, to Jerusalem and uh, they were caravanning back up to the northern part of Israel, back to their home um, in Nazareth. And what happened, did, what happened that startled them? He stayed behind. And where was he? He was at the temple. It, yeah. So they, they fire back and they're looking all over and they finally find Jesus. I always think too probably that, um, that not everything that Joseph and Mary said in Scripture was like they may have omitted a couple things. Because <laughs> I remember when I made my mama mad, she, was, uh, she could get mad at me, especially when she was worried about my safety. And you know Mother Mary was very worried about Jesus. Um, but that's the last time we hear about Joseph. Um, we don't know, um, did he, um, evidently, I could imagine maybe he passed away at some point, but Joseph is really nowhere to be found when Jesus died. Um, I don't know, it just leaves a lot to the imagination. But here's an awesome story, Matthew chapter 1, um, about uh, right before the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now the birth of Jesus Messiah took place on this, in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their, son, from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We know that Joseph was, um, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph, but we do know this. From this telling of the story, we know he was a, he was a stand-up guy. He was an honorable guy. And when he found out that his fiancée was um, expecting a child, um, uh, the, the, the woman was susceptible to being stoned, right? I mean, there was, a, there was a harsh punishment for something like that. And though Joseph just couldn't quite imagine, you know, marrying her, I'm sure his heart was broken and thoughts going in all kinds of different directions, he was going to do it really quietly, hopefully, to maybe spare her life and not to embarrass her or her family. And then... You're trying to do the honorable thing. And then Joseph, um, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream. Now, how many of you dream? How many of you are dreamers? Do you, do you dream? I like, I, I dream a lot. They say that you don't really remember your dreams unless you tell somebody your dreams right in the morning. Does that, I mean, like, I don't remember a lot of my dreams. 
But I do remember that my sister Liz and I, we dreamed a lot, right? And so, like, we'd be eating cereal, ready to go to school, and Liz would be telling me what, I, what she dreamed about, you know. And, I would, and there would be weird, weird dreams. Notice um, that Joseph is a dreamer, right? That God spoke to Joseph in a dream. Notice as well that the, the Old Testament Joseph, long ago, remember him? Um, my dad played, uh, uh, let's see, Jacob in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You remember that, um, that musical? My dad actually played um, the father of that. But Jacob was a dreamer. He kind of got in, I mean, Joseph was a dreamer. He got in a lot of trouble. But also his dreaming got him out of a lot of things as well. Um, and that reminds me of something that... Um, that uh, that I heard in a podcast. Krista Tippett um, has this great podcast. It's called On Being. And she interviewed Liz Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert. Did anybody know Elizabeth Gilbert? She's a, a best-selling author. She wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love. I think they even made a movie out of it. Um, and Elizabeth Gilbert has already sold two books, uh, more than a million copies. Wildly successful author incredibly successful author but you wouldn't know that maybe seven or eight years before that that she was going through an awful time so much that she shares on her interview um, that she was contemplating taking her life I mean it got that terrible she um, um, her marriage fell apart she always dreamed hey I'll just I'll she always thought to herself you know I'll just do things just like my mom did get married you know have kids, you know, and live happily ever after, and it just did not happen to her. And Krista asked her a really interesting um, question. She, she asked, she said this, she said, um, she said, hey, we'll be out of here before eight, 9 o'clock, I promise you, Greg. Um, she asked her, she said, um, how did you, man, hope with all this suffering that you went through? And uh, Liz Gilbert said, I really didn't hope. And that kind of caught me. Like, what? She didn't hope? And then she quoted um, a, a, a mystic who said, Hope is hollow as fear. Success is dangerous as failure. And she, she said, you know, I read that quote during the very difficult time of my life, and I thought, um, that sounds strange. We all should be hopeful people. I don't want to be a hopeless person. But she thought to herself, um, yeah, but sometimes we have a hard time knowing what to hope for. Or sometimes we have a hard time knowing the difference between hope and expectations. Oh, I expect this. I expect my kids to do this. I expect my life to go this way. And guess what? <laughs> Doesn't always go that way. And then she quoted someone else, T.S. Eliot, in uh, one of his poems. Um, and this is what it said. I said to my soul, T.S. Eliot wrote, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. And, uh, and so she thought to herself, okay, you know, I'm hoping sometimes in the wrong reality. And when she hoped, she kept hoping for things that just really wouldn't happen. And then she realized, and then she paused for a second and said, Krista, I have thought to myself that dreaming is a better word sometimes than hoping dreaming is. And uh, 
She said, after that terrible time in my life, she said, I didn't hope or think my way out of it. I dreamed my way out of it. She said, after that terrible time in my life, I dreamed that I could learn Italian. And then she said, I put muscle behind that dream, and I went to the local community college, and I started to learn Italian. One thing led to another from that dream, and it finally got me to reading, writing, eat, uh, pray, love. She said that. I had dreamed my way out of this. She also said something really interesting to me, that, and, and then we'll finish up. And she said, I, one of my rules of life is this. I never allow myself to do horizontal thinking. She said, your posture is very, very important. When my head hits the pillow and I am horizontal, I don't let myself start to think, she said. And I thought about that, which is dangerous, right? We shouldn't think too much. But I thought about that and thought, it makes so much sense because when you're going to sleep, if you're overthinking everything, you're thinking in a posture of helplessness, like you can't do anything about it. But she said, if you think about dreaming, right? Dreaming calls you, even when you don't know what the future lies, a dream's going to propel you to do something. And I thought about like in my life, the times when I felt like I was, like my faith was in a rut, it was a dream that pulled me out of it. I never thought my way out of a bad predicament. But I can remember dreaming about taking college students to South Korea. And the next thing you know, the money was there, the funding was there, and everything was there. And I worked hard. We, a lot of people worked hard for that. But something on a napkin, you know, in Washington, D.C., turned into 19 college students from Mississippi and South Carolina, going from the 38th parallel all the way to Busan, South Korea, or the dream of a new mission at church, doing something differently. Uh, instead of expecting or hoping or expecting, dreaming about that. And so today, I just maybe, maybe think about what it means to be like Joseph, to dream your way through things that seem intractable. Ask God not to help you think your way out of it, Right? Martin Luther King in front of 250,000 people at the mall didn't say, hey, you know, I've been thinking about this, and wouldn't it be nice if black kids and white kids got along in Mississippi and Alabama? What did he say? He said, I have a dream. Joseph didn't think his way out of this problem. God gave him a dream. Take your dreams seriously. Because the gift of imagination comes straight from God. It is a gift that God has given all of us. It is limitless. What dream has God put on your heart? Let that be your purpose this Advent and in 2022. And let's see where your dream can take you and me with God's help. Let's pray. God, save us from horizontal thinking. <laughs> Help to raise up your people, God, so that we, in the morning when our feet hit the ground, we stand up straight. Help us to listen to what dreams you put in, on our hearts. Help us to remember that just like Joseph, in the tightest and most desperate moments of our lives, that is when you whisper the biggest dreams. And help us to be courageous enough to do what we need to do, to put muscle behind our dream, whatever we need to do for your dream. In Christ's name we pray.
All right, I invite you to turn to page.